Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 9. Booyah! Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier. With us today on episode nine, we have Coach Dan Cusen back on the show, and we have Alyssa Lozier in studio um, today, and we're going to be talking about winter running tips. So um, here in the Midwest, I know it's starting to get um, darker earlier. It's starting to get really cold. We even had a few bouts of snow already, so um, Dan's prepared a segment on winter running tips, and Alyssa and Dan and I will have some discussion around how best to prepare for that. We'll also do um, a random runner's world, and I was telling Dan and Alyssa before uh, we started recording this segment was, um, this random runner's world comes from the December 2014 uh, magazine, so it it just literally came in the mail days ago, so um, it's fresh off the newsstand here. One of the things, um, you know, this is our eighth episode, and we've been getting, is it nine? Gosh, yeah. Um, Ninth episode, and we've been getting some pretty positive feedback, and most recently, uh, Dan and I got an email from Nick in the UK, um, just giving us some positive feedback on the podcast, and was just sharing that he was going to, you know, share the podcast with, with his running club, so... Um, I thought that that was great, and Dan and I still have a long way to go before we're like professional podcasts. But <laughs> it'll never could, happen. And yeah, it, it'll never happen. But um, we can aspire to be great one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you've got questions for us, just log on to RunFit365.com. Um, you, you'll notice that Dan probably responds within like minutes of your email, <laughs> but. Um, just let us know what you think of the podcast. If you've got questions for us, we'd love to answer those on the show. Um, and if you've got specific topics, too, let us know um, because we come up with some of these things you know, a few days before, so um, we're flexible with that, too. So, um, Dan, winter running. Alyssa, um, I know you've been out several times this year already um, before the sun comes up, so... Dan, why don't you just start walking us through what you might consider your top winter running tips, and uh, we'll just have informal dialogue as you go throughout this segment here. Sounds good. So, again, something I'm not a uh, professional about, but what I did is, you know, I, I know the things that work for me pretty well, but I also wanted to get sort of the best practice out there. So I, I went out and did some uh, searching and pulled some categories together. The, the topics that kind of came up over and over were things that you uh, do to dress differently in the wintertime, um, some specifics around choosing routes, uh, hydration, and then some uh, sort of safety sort of tips. So I broke all my things up into those categories. We'll probably talk a little bit more about other categories as well. But just started, starting to talk about the dressing component of things, um, I think very common people think in terms of layers. So, you know, don't just put one thick thing on, put multiple layers on. Um, and then 
specifically the material against your skin, uh, something that wicks the moisture away. This is particularly important in the winter time because the last thing you want is moisture against your skin with the cold air because that that's a, a bad combination can uh, really cause you some risk for hypothermia. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about hypothermia as well. But I think one of the things that I learned early on when I started running in the cold, um, it's really tempting to go out there uh, and feel warm when you go outside. So you're, you're already warm. You're wearing enough clothes so you don't feel cold. And that, for me at least, and this is sort of the best practice I, I read into, it's, it's not what you want to do. You actually kind of want to feel a little bit on the cold side. Um, and actually, I, I saw this addressed in, in multiple articles. It says dress as if you're oh, it dresses if it's 15 to 20 degrees warmer outside than uh, than it actually is. So, for example, uh, if it's 30 degrees outside, you might dress like it's 50, because by the time you get running and warmed up, um, you, you're definitely going to feel warmer uh, in the 30 degrees than um, otherwise. So. That's, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to point out. What do you guys, what's your experience with that? I think it's very similar, um, and I just reflect back to the most recent half marathon I did where it was approximately 20 degrees at race time, and I just remember reflecting at the starting line that, you, you know, just seeing a, a lot of people that had multiple layers, um, multiple jack, you know, jackets on, and then... Um, headgear and handgear and you just know that by the time the gun goes off and you're into this race that um, one that they're going to be overdressed and two that they're carrying a lot of extra weight for the race so um, you know on that specific day I still wore running um, shorts with a couple layers up top that was wicking layers um, and I think I had a stocking cap on and by the time the race finished I think we were um, closer to the to 35 to 40 degrees um, by the time that finished. But what's your take on that, Liz? Um, yeah, I to I agree. I'm I'm um, I probably overdress to be honest. Um, I think every time I get up to run in the morning when it's cold like this, Travis tells me I'm overdressed. But um, I'll just you know I I wear same thing moisture wicking. Um, gear and then I usually like I said I, I I am the queen of overdressing but I I will just take a layer off if I'm just on a long run um, certainly when I'm racing I don't overdress I'm, I'm more careful about that I if it's if it's chilly I always have a pair of gloves and a hat on because um, personally if my extremities are cold. The rest of me is cold. Um, I don't know if that's just me <laughs> or if it's everyone. Um, but I can be in like, you know, shorts and a t-shirt and still be wearing my, um, hat and gloves, um, and be okay. But, um, but I agree. I think, you know, you're definitely going to warm up this, you know, five minutes into the run, even if you're really, really cold at the, at the beginning of it. So it's, it's kind of playing with it. And, uh, I, you know, I have lots of friends that run too, and every, I do think everybody's a little different. Um, you know, it's just like some people prefer running when it's 80 and some people prefer running when it's 20. Um, but you kind of have to just, um, 
try it out and, and figure out what works for you. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just my personal opinion. Yeah, gloves and hat were mentioned in most articles, and I think specifically hat, because you lose a lot of heat through your head, like 10% of your heat is lost through your head. So, um, again, I, I start out with a hat, and after a while, I get hot enough to where I take the hat off. But if you don't start with the hat at all, then you could be in a, a worse situation. So, but it does make sense to a degree to overdress to and have the ability to, to remove some. Um, but it's particularly important to kind of manage how you feel because you don't want to get to the point where you're sweating too much and then put yourself at risk for, for hypothermia with the, the extra moisture. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about um, underdressing, you know, dressing as if it's 15 to 20 degrees warmer, a lot of good suggestion around um, doing, one, allowing more time for warm-up because you want your, your body to be warm and that's harder to do in the cold environment. But a lot of people recommended you do your warm-up indoors before you go outside. So, you know, go up and down the stairs a bunch of times, run in place, things like that. And if you do that and then you underdress and then go outside, it, the, the cold might actually be more welcoming at that point in time. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I've never done that myself. So um, in terms of keeping dibs and how you feel, um, some early and, and sort of late signs of, of hypothermia. Keep in mind um, that it's different for everybody, but uh, a lot of people experience shivering. Um, towards the, the middle stages, you, you could have like uh, slurred speech, become confused, um, problem with coordination. If you experience any of those things, you need to get indoor as, indoors as quickly as you can. And, and get I, I experienced so. that on most of my runs, Dan. <laughs> Which one? Which all one? All three. Just all those teasing. things. Yeah. 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 And, and that's not medical advice. That's just the the types of things that I found in these articles. Um, you know, just just be smart about it. Uh, if if something doesn't seem right, it probably isn't right. Um, and then the last thing that I read about a lot was in regards to shoes. And I mean, I run with the same shoes year round. They mention in articles some people use. They're a winter pair of shoes that have less mesh um, to keep your, your feet drier and warmer. Um, some articles talked about sort of adding um, some grip. There's some things you can buy. Or One, one guy even went and, and instructed how you can create your own by putting screws in the bottom of your shoes. I'm not sure that's a great idea, but there's, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of different uh, views on how to dress for the winter. Um, so that's really all I had from the dress category. Well, one thing, one, one thing that I noticed, um, you know, at, at least right now on our morning runs, when we get up, the sun's not out. And when we come home from work, the sun's already set. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the reflective gear that you can find at any type of running store, um, I, I think is key. And I know that we try to make a point of, um, even if we're in the neighborhood, we've got reflective jackets. And most shoes now, running shoes, have kind of the reflective gear. Um, so I, I don't know what your take is on that, Dan, but that, that is a huge safety factor. I think that um, when you're out there running um, and it's getting light or you know, lighter later and darker sooner, just keep in mind you know, from a safety perspective that you always want to be seen. Yeah, that's actually under the Be Smart category. Um, every article I read talked about reflective clothing, especially this time of year because of the, you know, less light 
during the day. The other thing I do, and I mean, keep in mind, I run with a group of girls, and um, so we always run together. If we run at 5 o'clock in the morning, I don't think I've ever run by myself, unless it's just in the neighborhood, but nowhere else because it's completely dark. But we've noticed that there are, you know, even right now, some um, spots of ice. So we um, will run with a small flashlight, um, and that's just a safety um, safety feature for us because too many times, um, Travis knows a big one, when I slipped on black ice. Um, so I don't know if, you know, I may be the only, buddy, the only person that does that, but we run with just a small flashlight just to pick out those shiny spots so that we're not slipping and falling, you know, in addition to reflective gear. But. Yeah, and you can also find oh, the headlamps, the headlamps yeah. as well. Um, Except most... for I've gotten attacked by a cow with a headlamp. Yeah. So. <laughs> we, we, Dan, we should have her on for like a special like 45-minute episode on her story of when she was attacked by um, a bat one morning when she was running with, with the headlamp on. <laughs> oh my it, God. And we know somebody else that was attacked by an owl. Yeah. With a headlamp. But I'm not, I mean, not to scare people from using headlamps, but... Yeah. You know what? That just reinforces my decision not to run at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we can have a whole podcast on people being attacked by animals wearing headlamps. But a lot of people wear headlamps and yeah. they don't. But, you know, it, I, I do think a small flashlight or a headlamp is good. Not only can people see you, but it kind of picks out when we've got these... You know, you have no you no choice, but you have to get your run in, you know, but there's these small patches of black ice or snow or whatever. So. And Dan, I know your philosophy on treadmill running. You've always told me and coached me that, um, you know, all your races are going to be outside. Anytime you can get outside, get outside. And I know that there's a lot of people that aren't big fans of treadmills, but when do you advise it um, in regards to, you know, going out into the elements versus, you know, getting in at least something on a treadmill. Yeah. So I think, uh, first of all, the, the, the only downside to the treadmill are, um, it, it's basically, it's telling you how fast to run and that you don't have to think about it. So, you know, it's not a bad thing to do, um, especially in the off season, but as, as much as you can run outside and, and that's even applicable in the winter time. And I think, you know, when you have to make a decision to run inside or run outside, I think you just have to be really smart about it. Uh, if there's a foot of snow on the ground, that, I think that's an obvious decision. Either move your workout to another day when the roads are clear or run indoors. Same thing with ice. Um, just don't make dumb decisions and, and, you know, think about it first, I guess. Yeah, that's good advice. Easier said than done sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, there, there was... Last thing on dress, I, I found a Runner's World article. I think it's like called 10 Tips for Running in the Cold or something. And uh, I, I wanted to point out number three there. It gives some very specifics. And I won't go into the detail just for time's sake, but um, it does give you um, some guidelines uh, based on degrees. So like 30 degrees, 10 to 20, 0 to 10. And it tells you um, – a couple guys, I guess, put this together, some tips as to how many layers, what kind of layers um, works for them, and that might be a good starting point for most people. Um, the next section is route. And I, there's, there's really no, you know, 
right or wrong here, but obviously look for the cleared paths. And what I saw consistently was um, schools and particularly universities are good places to go because they have their own dedicated staff for clearing paths. And so they're, they're typically one of the first areas to get clear, uh, cleared out. So a lot of places said if you're looking for a place to run, uh, university is a good place to go. But even a local high school has resources like that. So um, that might be a good place to go as well. And then kind of tying into that hypothermia topic, uh, a lot of advice to choose a route that isn't doesn't take you too far away from a warm environment. So let's say you're going to do a, a – a 10 mile run, you don't want to go out five miles to a, you know, like a cornfield. You, you want to choose a route that takes you past several places that if you did get into trouble, uh, you could kind of step indoors if you needed to and, you know, have a phone available and warmth. And then I'd never thought of it this way, but I saw at least two articles that mentioned um, when you're going out on your run, so the out, if you do an out and back, run against the wind on the way out and with the wind on the way back. Um, that, that may sound counterintuitive, but the reason for that is if you're running against the wind on the way out, you're not going to get, um, you're, you're going to stay cooler and you're not going to sweat as much. Whereas if you were to run with the wind on the way out, you may have the tendency to sweat. And then if you did do that and you're all sweaty and then you turn up against the wind, um, you're going to, have a lot more issue with um, a lot more cooling from the wind and put yourself at risk for hypothermia. So I thought that was really interesting. That's, I, I mean, that's great advice, Dan. And uh, where were you last Sunday? <laughs> um, I took um, both Olivia and Ryder out into Double Bob and we did just a quick six mile run. And I felt great. I mean, I felt like a million dollars going out with this double bob, this double jogger. Uh, we were having a great time. And when I turned around, it felt like I was running into like a gale force wind. It was just so brutal. Remember, I told you, Alyssa, that it was just like, and I started it because I, I worked up a sweat on the way out because I was just, I felt great. And I wasn't paying much attention to the wind at the time because it was it was pushing this stroller and it was pushing me along. And then as soon as we turned around, it was like almost a walk. I was fighting it and I was getting cold. It was just brutal. And um, it's easy to overlook that, but I, I think that's just great advice. Yeah, I would have never thought of it personally, but um, it, it does make perfect sense. So, anything else on wrap from your perspective? Anything for you, Liz, or on wrap? Um, I mean, <laughs> this could be silly, but I do, um, when I run in the morning and it's dark, I do the same route. And the only reason I do that route is because it's lit, and I know the route. So I know where the holes are, I know where the bumps are, I know where the, you know, whatever. I, it's like my body just can run that route and knows every step of that route by heart. It's the same five and a half mile loop. I do every, you know, every, if I do the morning run, I always run that route. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but for me, the, the, you know, the main reason I do it is because I'm running in the dark and it's safe. I feel like it's safe because it's well lit. And again, I know the route. So there's less risk of me falling or running into anything or, um, you know, getting lost. And like you said, Dan, it's not, 
it's a it's a five and a half mile loop. So at no time am I more than two miles from the house. The house, and you know, it's it's it is a loop, but it's um, you know, I'm never far away, so I can get back quickly if I need to. I think that makes perfect sense, especially in the dark, to be in a predictable environment. Yeah. I saw a lot of people talk about sort of planning ahead, and and that ties right into it. If you know exactly where you're going to run and, and where all the potholes are and all that stuff, that's exactly what that is, planning ahead. So I think that's perfect. makes perfect sense. Okay, so the next, um, the next topic is hydration. And... I think, you know, most people think it's cold outside. They, they don't think in terms of hydration like you do in the summertime when it's really hot. People sweat, especially if you're running in, in a humid environment. Um, so it makes it more dangerous that um, in the cold, people don't think about that as much. I read, I, I can't remember exactly which article or um, where I saw it, but I read that um, 95% of cases that uh, hypothermia is a result is when somebody's not hydrated enough. So I thought that was interesting, which tells me that a lot of people don't think about hydration on the winter time. So the key there is starting hydrated, um, but also hydrating during your run. And in multiple articles I saw, they literally said hydrate like it's summertime. So, you know, think about you're sweating, in the summertime, you see yourself sweating. You feel the heat. You know you're sweating. In the in the wintertime, you don't as much because you have more layers on that's absorbing the sweat. You don't see it. You don't necessarily feel it because the, the cool air is cooling you down. So you're losing more fluid than you, than you know. And so I guess without getting any, any specifics, just make sure hydration is a big focus for you. Yeah. I don't know. How do you, do you guys – what do you guys do uh, hydration-wise? It, it is harder in the winter because what we find is um, at least the common routes that Alyssa and I have have predictable water stops and um, those water stops are shut off the first day that it's below 32 degrees Fahrenheit that you know they just shut off those pipes because of freezing so it gets much more challenging to plan your routes and it goes back to that topic of planning your routes too. Um, that you have to make sure that you have, uh, you know, a reliable water source um, or at least uh, a refueling station along your route to um, refuel, which at times just means, you know, kind of uh, bringing water with you. And I know Alyssa and some of her friends, um, and maybe you can talk about their approach to what they do with their fuel belts. And I've never personally ran with a fuel belt, but I know some of your friends use them like religiously. Yeah, I have, you know, a couple of the girls I run with every morning run with a water bottle, um, a small water bottle. And I personally don't use a water bottle either. Travis knows that. And my girlfriends are, they can't believe I don't use a water bottle, which I probably should use a water bottle. I'm probably not the role model for that, the best role model for that. But, um, um, they do. I mean, they use a, wa a water bottle. Um, if it's a long run, you know, um, one of my friends will use a little bigger water bottle and it'll be half Gatorade, half water. I mean, she's very big on, um, hydration. Um, and I, and then I, yeah, I have another friend that uses a fuel belt. So maybe has two or three water bottles, smaller bottles. 
hooked up even in the winter, so summer or winter. Um, I it's a difficult thing. I mean, like Travis said, when the when the water stations are shut off, um, it's difficult. I mean, either you have to find ways to come back to the house or your car if you're parked somewhere and running. Um, you can carry the water with you. I personally don't like to carry a water bottle with me. It, for whatever reason, it messes up my my gait or my stride and gives me a big shoulder cramp. And I know that's, again, probably sounds silly, but it just does. So um, I don't run with one. But, yeah, it can be tricky. I know it's important, but, it, you know, when you're used to, you know, like me, you know, I like to, when I run my long run, I like to, if it's 12 miles, I go out six and back six. It's just easier. I know I'm going to get the miles and I can't cheat it because if I run six miles out, I'll have to run six miles home. Right. But you do have to but figure out ways to fuel your body too. So it, it's harder in the winter for sure. Um, I think you bring up a good point though. Um, just because other people uh, need that fluid or, or more fluid, that doesn't mean that everybody needs that same amount. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. So if your sweat rate is different than your friends, mm-hmm. there, there may be that difference. So, um, every, it's, it's hard to prescribe any specific thing for everybody. I, I just think you have to feel it out for yourself. Just don't, don't forget about hydration, I think is the main point there. So the last category I have is be smart. And there's a few sort of varying topics in here. Um, I, I read articles of people going out and just being stupid, running on the ice or running in thick snow. And really, it's just not worth it. I mean, you're going to get injured. You can't get injured. Um, and then, you know, if you sacrificed going out just so you could run outside um, and get injured, then you're done for probably weeks. So that would be a good example of where you might say, I'm not going to run today. I'll, I'll move it to another day or I'll go indoors. Um, one article had a really good idea. It's not very practical, but they said move to a, a, new, a warm place or, or take a vacation. I thought, well, that if we had the ability to do that, I think all of us would do that. <laughs> um, it, it also, I, I read consistently to avoid speed work. This is, this is not the time to, to do speed if the, if the weather's not good or there's a potential for ice. Um, and luckily for, for most areas of the country, at least in the U.S., um, and probably other countries as well, where it's getting cold, most races are, are towards the spring. So this is more of a maintenance period for us. So speed work isn't as important. But just don't go out there and, and try to do speed work in this sort of environment. Um, we talked a little bit about allowing more time for the warm-up. Um, I've not tried this but, and I've, I've run in some pretty cold weather. Uh, most of our skin is protected by clothing, but our face uh, generally isn't. And I read that you can use Vaseline on your cheeks and stuff to help from chapping and, and keep it uh, somewhat waterproof. Have you guys tried that ever or ever heard of that? I, I never have, no. no. I, I have heard of that, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. So I not sure if it works or doesn't work, but um, just something I kind of wrote down because it was new to me. And then just the reinforcement about staying visible, ref, you know, reflective clothing, running in groups, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the topics. Dress, dress appropriately, um, pick good routes, make good decisions, make sure to hydrate. It's, it's just a, a different time of year. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Dan. I'm, I'm, um, 
again, just trying to watch uh, kind of our time. We try to keep these to 30 minutes. So I'm sure we could talk about winter running tips for another 30 minutes, but those are really sound um, tips that I think anybody can use as we start um, moving into the winter months. So um, thanks again for going over those. Um, Alyssa, anything from your perspective before we Move. No, no, I think, I think, uh, yeah. I Good know. spot. Um, yep. All right. Good stuff. All right, you think we can stump Dan this time? I'm going to try I'm to down. stump, I'm going to try to stump Alyssa too. I think she was the first person to do Random Runner's World. So, um, again, this uh, Random Runner's World is from December of 2014. Um, it's the Unstoppable Edition. And it's, um, I think this one specifically covers stories about real runners and um, their amazing stories. So I'm just going to flip to a section here. Um, and let's just see where we land. Um, I keep landing on these ad pages. Um, <laughs> so um, this is page 60. And I don't know... It's the mind and body section, and it's called the body shop. And it looks like um, protect an injury-prone spot with these simple exercises. And um, it's just a few exercises they list here. It's called toe curls, and it looks like um, they just have a picture of someone's feet, and they've got a towel that they're trying to crunch up a towel with their toes. That's one exercise, and then they've got this hill drop where they're on a platform and just um, stand on your toes on the edge of a step, shift your weight to your right leg, take your left foot off the step, and lower your right heel down. Um, and then they've got these mo monster walks, it looks like, um, with these bands, and then they're doing one-legged bridges. So I'm not quite sure... Um, what these do without trying to read this article, but are either one of you familiar with the, the toe curls? I'm not familiar specifically with that, but it, what it sounds like all those things are addressing are sort of the, the supportive muscles um, around your feet, your ankles, um, your lower leg, the things that are pretty sensitive to taking a lot of uh, impact so I think probably the theory there is if you do, I don't, I don't know these specific exercises, but if you um, focus on those smaller, um, smaller movements, uh, those areas that are not the, the primary focus in running, I think the theory is you'll, you'll potentially save yourself from some injury. Yeah. I just took a glance at this and it says, a recent study found that it takes on average 71 days to rehab shin splints. Wow. So um, you're right. All these exercises are aimed at the lower leg, and it really looks like um, really trying to prevent you know, shin splints. Alyssa, have you ever had shin splints before? Or have, did you run with people in college that had them? Yeah, I've never had them actually, um, but I remember people saying they had them, and it seems like they take forever and they never go away. But um, I personally have not had shin splints. No, can can be debilitating, um, 
and I don't I don't really know why people, certain people are prone to them. I think it has to do with um, probably something within their gate that's not quite right for them. Injury prevention or, or going over certain injuries might be a good podcast. I've got a whole book on it, and I look through things when something's applicable, uh, but I certainly don't know the whole thing. Um, there's certain ones that are more uh, common than others, shin splints, um, IT band issues, um, and there, there's very common things you can do to uh, avoid those things or treat those things, but it sounds like these are some of those types of uh, exercises that would help with that. Perfect. Well, unless you guys want to do another Random Runner's World, I think that really brings us to a close. I, I think to, you know, this was a great episode, and I do think that we could um, potentially maybe even, I, I jotted down, Dan, maybe even doing something more in a future podcast around treadmill running. Um, mm -hmm. When we stumbled upon that, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff out there around um, how best to use that as a tool. Um, but we'll file it away. We'll put it um, kind of in the archive here. And um, if the timing's right, maybe we can discuss that in a future podcast. And maybe we can bring Alyssa back and she can share her bat story with, uh, with the group. <laughs> I was thinking we should have, a, we should have all kinds of stories from, from people listening. I'd love to hear those. Yeah, that's right. That's a good call to action. If you're, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got your own kind of story when you've had an interaction with an animal and <laughs> on your run, uh, drop us an email at support at runfit365.com. Or just jump on our website like Nick did in the UK, um, and you can fill out the simple contact form. We're really happy to um, respond to emails, and if you have specific questions, um, we'll answer those on a future podcast. So um, please don't hesitate to interact with us through runfit365.com. So Dan, anything from your perspective before we close episode 9? Nope, I think uh, go out and run in the wintertime. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Well, thanks for those safety tips. Alyssa, anything from your perspective? You getting ready to go to bed and get up and run in the morning with your reflective gear and with your water bottles and <laughs> on your same five and a half mile That's route? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Alyssa, well, thanks again for uh, being on the podcast. And, Dan, until next week, um, as always, it was a pleasure, and thanks for doing the research on winter running tips here. You got it. All right. Thanks, everyone.